0: Today um, I'm preaching on forgiveness, and uh, I'm reading from Matthew eighteen twenty-one to twenty-two. Then Peter came to him and said, "Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother who sins against me? As many as seven times." Jesus said to him, "Not seven times, I tell you, but seventy-seven times." So on my wedding day, my maid of honor, in her speech to me, I've known her since I was 16 and she's walked me through every single mess in my life, pretty much. In her speech, she said that I was the most forgiving person. She said that I forgave people even if they didn't deserve forgiveness. And that sat with me for a while because I didn't know that I had a choice. I didn't know that you could choose not to forgive someone. I'd always thought that being a good Christian meant that you had to forgive, that God forgives me in all my mess and in all the mistakes that I've made, so why why would I withhold that from someone else? I had to forgive. Good Christians forgive. So if our friends had spread rumors about us, or our parents have hurt us or even abused us, or partners have cheated on us, or someone has betrayed us or manipulated us, I've understood. That we have to forgive. That's what good Christians do. Can anyone relate to that? Anyone thought the same thing? So today's sermon ooh, is about taking inventory of the, taking inventory on who we need to forgive in order for us to live our lives fully and to, to um, show the light of God that's within us. But for us to live our lives fully, it means we have to forgive. And that makes me think about Dr. Christine Blasey Ford and whether she's living her life fully, whether she's been able to after what she's experienced when she was 15. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Dr. Ford is a college professor who has accused Brett Kavanaugh, a uh, Supreme Court, Supreme, Senate, help me out here. Supreme Court, Court, correct. Supreme Court nominee um, who's just been confirmed actually of sexual assault that occurred when they were just teens. She, um, this was highly televised because of his nomination. And I think about how she's had to carry that pain since she was 15. How she's carried it from relationship to relationship. And then into marriage. How she's had to relive that pain when she was giving her testimony in front of the Senate. I think about how People have said that she needs to just let it go, and that just makes my blood boil. How is she supposed to let it go? They say that she needs to let it go because it happened so long ago, or that they were drinking alcohol, or they were at a party, or that Brett Kavanaugh had his entire life ahead of him because he was so young, or that he didn't even rape her. So she needs to just let it go and move on. Forgive him and even forgive herself. I find it hard to believe that she's just expected to stop hurting from this trauma. In this passage, I'm a mess today, guys. (laughs) In this passage, Peter asks Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone? Seven times? And then Jesus responds by saying 77 times. And his reasoning is simple and is explained in the parable that follows, where he talks about a servant who owes his the king, a lot of money. So let me just read through that parable very quickly. (laughs) The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to collect all the money his servants owed him. As the king began to do it, a man owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. The man was not able to pay, so his master gave an order. The man, his wife, his children, and all he owned had to be sold to pay back what he owed. Then the servant fell on his knees in front of him. Give me time, he begged. I'll pay everything back. His master felt sorry for him. He forgave him what he owed and let him go. But then that servant went out and found one of the other servants who owed him 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he said. The other servant fell on his knees. Give me time, he begged. I'll pay it back. But the first servant refused. Instead, he went and had the man thrown into prison. The man would be held there until he could pay back what he owed. The other servants saw what had happened and were very angry. They went and they told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the first servant in. You evil servant, he said. I forgave all that you owed me because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on the other servant just as I had mercy on you? In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers. He would be punished until he paid back everything he owed. This is how my Father in heaven will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So from this parable, we can gather that God extends his unlimited grace on us. And so therefore, we must extend it to others. And you're almost guilted into forgiving because if you haven't forgiven, then you'll be punished. And in some versions, it actually says that the servant was given over to his tormentors. So that would scare anyone into forgiveness, because you don't want to be punished. And that's pretty much the narrative surrounding forgiveness that I've always grown up with. But forgiveness isn't that simple. Forgiveness is complicated. Because how do we begin to forgive someone who has caused us inexplicable pain? who has hurt us, not once, but over and over again? How do we forgive someone who's close to us, someone whom we love, someone who we have to live with day in and day out, and whose very presence reminds us of that pain? How do we forgive them in love without losing self-respect? How do we do that without dismissing our own trauma? And I believe that's what Peter is asking here. When he asks, how many times should I forgive, he specifies by saying the word brother. Brother is referring to someone in the community, somebody he knows. Brother is a fellow believer, or even maybe his literal brother. And so he's talking about someone who's harder to forgive, someone who's close to him. Someone who he's set on a higher standard because he expects more from this person. And he's asking, how many times before enough is enough? Now, when my mother gets angry, sometimes she says some really hurtful things. Things that, that I know aren't true, but I've come to believe. Things like that I'm damaged, that I can't amount to anything, that I'm not enough. And each time I tell myself that she says these things out of a place of pain and that she doesn't mean it. And she said it herself, Mira, I don't mean it. But the problem is, she keeps doing it. And when she does, it's like she's picking at the scab of the same wound. So how many times? Now back then in the Old Testament, if you read Amos, um, it says three times and it's even scriptural. In Amos, we read about how God will forgive such and such a city three times. And then on the fourth time, God will bring judgment. And you see, that number makes so much more sense to me than 77. I mean, that's a number I could get on board with. So, but what Peter's done is he's taken that number, and he's been quite generous. He's taken that number, he doubled it, and then he added another one for good measure, seven. And so I wonder if what Peter was hoping is that when he told this number to Jesus, Jesus would go around and say oh, wow, seven, that's really generous of you. You're so forgiving. I mean, tell you what, bro, listen, if after seven times your brother still doesn't get it, don't worry, you don't have to forgive him anymore. I will rain hellfire on him so that he feels shame for what he's done to you because that, that's the response they, they would have expected from God, a God who forgives three times and on the fourth time, that's it, right? That's what they expected from the God of the Old Testament, a God that they viewed as being a vengeful God. But Jesus doesn't say this. He says 77 times. And in fact, in some versions, he says 70 times 7 times. And if you don't know math, because I don't, that's 490 times. With a number that high, let's be real, no one's counting, right? You end up forgiving and forgiving, and you keep on forgiving because you're not keeping track. So he says this because he knows what Peter is really asking. He's asking, why should I even put up with this at all? Why should I even forgive at all? And then so Jesus tells the story of this parable almost as if he's putting a mirror in front of Peter so he can see himself in that story. And when we read this parable, it's so easy for us to judge this unforgiving servant to judge and think, this guy's horrible. The king just forgave him of this massive debt, and he can't even extend that same grace to someone else who owes him so little. But if I'm being really honest, I actually could relate to him quite a bit. You see, my understanding when I was growing up is that I owe a huge debt to God for every time I went against God's intention for my life. So for every time I got wasted or I lied to my parents or I acted selfishly, for every time I got caught up in pride or in lust or in greed, I was stacking up a debt that I owed to God. And you see, what I was taught was that because of Jesus, that debt doesn't matter. God doesn't count any of that, that none of us stops us stops us from receiving the love of God. None of that gets in the way of our union, with God. In God's eyes, we're free of that debt. We are shame free and we are debt free. But so, for God to grant me that kind of grace in all my shame and in all my ugliness, I then had to extend it to others, even those who have hurt me in the most heinous ways. That's what I understood forgiveness to mean. But in all honesty, When I think about the people who have hurt me, who have violated me, who have attacked me, who have made me question my worth as a human being, every bone in my body makes me want to grab that person by the throat like that unforgiving servant and say, give me back what you stole from me. Give me back my dignity. Forgiveness is much more complicated than what we had always been taught. Forgiveness isn't a tap where you switch off the pain of gushing water. Forgiveness isn't forgive and forget. Forgiveness isn't the same in every single situation. And there's a reason why it's so hard for us to forgive, and it's because that pain is traumatic. When you've experienced, when you've been hurt by someone, when you experience that pain, you can carry that pain for days, Weeks, months, and even years. That pain can revisit you in memories. It can revisit you in situations that remind you of that moment, and then suddenly you find your thrust back in time into that moment where you were first hurt, and you're experiencing that pain for the very first time, and it's fresh all over again. That pain can dictate how you live the rest of your life, whether you will trust again, whether you'll be courageous again, whether you'll take risks again, whether you'll date again. Dr. Ford describes this pain as one that has been seared into her memory and that haunts her episodically. Then when her testimony was televised live and it circulated throughout the internet, thousands upon thousands of survivors of sexual abuse were thrown back in time where they experience that moment for the very first time. They experience that pain fresh, as if it were happening again. And see, what happens with that pain is that it begins to take over. It begins to consume us and eat us up. It becomes part of our identity as we come to believe the lies that have been associated with that trauma. I came to believe that I wasn't enough, that when I didn't do well in school, it's because I wasn't smart enough, When no one would date me, it's because I wasn't beautiful. When good things weren't happening to me, it was because I wasn't good enough. And one day, when I was in my teens, someone told me, a pastor no less, that if I continued down the same sinful path, then I was at risk of losing my salvation. And I never forgot those words. I thought that I was one drink and one bad boyfriend away from losing the love of God forever. I carried that belief for almost a decade of the most formative years of my life. I believed that I was just, I only had one chance left until I was completely unworthy of redemption. I began to identify with that statement and I thought I was that bad. And I find it hard to believe that I'm expected to just brush off these comments, like brush them off aside and just switch off the pain, move on. I know that these lies are counter to the truth that I am created in the image of God and that the glory of God, the light of God is inside me. But the longer that I marinate in those lies, those lies dim my light. So then the question becomes, How long do we sit in this? How can we move past these emotions? I honestly don't know. I can't give you the answer to that, and I don't think anyone can. I don't think anyone should tell you, you should move on. But what I do know is that forgiveness isn't a question of yes or no, but that forgiveness is progress that it's a journey from sitting in grief and in anger to being set free from the lies that you've been told. In that journey, you reclaim what was taken from you. And then in that journey, you move from a a victim's story to a hero's story. And now I'm not saying that you minimize that pain or that you repress it, but that you find healthy ways to grieve and process that pain so that it no longer controls you, and so it no longer dictates your worth. Forgiveness looks like separating yourself from that experience to your current experience, so that you can begin building a new narrative. You can begin writing a new story that isn't driven by your triggers or by your trauma. You can change your story around. Now that journey where we denounce being victim And claim our hero identity is a long one because in that process you've got to begin stripping those lies that you've come to believe right you've got to strip away those lies that you've come to believe that you deserved it that you were irresponsible that you aren't worthy that you're a failure that you're not good enough that you're not worthy in that journey we also must seek forgiveness of self and I think sometimes that's even harder I wonder if that's why it's so hard for us to forgive others, especially those that are close to us, because we expect more of them. We place a high standard on them. And so I wonder if that's why we think that God must place this impossible standard on us. And so we have a hard time thinking, a hard time believing that we are blameless in the eyes of God, that we are loved despite how we behave, what we do, or the choices that we make, that God wants union with us in all our brokenness, in all our ego, and in all our selfishness. You are unconditionally loved and accepted by God. That is who you are. Not any of these lies. We no longer have to sit in disappointment with ourselves or in bitterness towards others or in seeking revenge against those who have hurt us. We no longer have to do that because we accept grace. And so I know that when Jesus says 70 times seven times, it's because, perhaps the first time, we need to be reminded of that grace. And maybe the second time, we might be fighting against seeking revenge. The third time, we might need to remind ourselves of our hero story. The fourth time, we might need to separate ourselves from the lie that we've been told. And then the fifth time, we might need to forgive ourselves. And then the sixth or the seventh time, we might need to repeat that process because forgiveness isn't a tap that you can just switch off the pain. In the last 12 months between the Me Too movement and this investigation on Kavanaugh, I've had to find forgiveness so many times. And I've had to remind myself of my hero story. And now I've been encouraged by all the stories of victim turned heroes as a result of Dr. Ford's own very courageous testimony. But I know that there are others out there who are still bearing that grief and carry that pain that they find it so hard to find their own hero story. Forgiveness doesn't make what they did okay. Forgiveness doesn't excuse them from their behavior. Know that forgiveness is not for their benefit. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to move on or that it's okay or that you have to stop being angry. Forgiveness is so that you can take your power back and not allow for that person to control you or for that lie to dim your light so that you can turn your story around. This little girl was raped and sexually abused when she was seven years old. She told her brother, who then went and told the family, and then her rapist was arrested, but only jailed for one day. Four days later, he was killed, allegedly by an uncle. And this little girl blamed herself. She, She thought her voice was what killed him and that her voice could kill others. She carried that burden, and she believed that lie. And because of that, it dimmed her light, and it stole her voice. She didn't speak for the next five years after that. But then, years passed, and she went on to be a singer, a dancer, an actress, a composer. She became Hollywood's first black female director. She became a writer, an editor, an essayist, playwright, a poet, and a civil rights activist. She turned her story around. She fought against the lie that told her that her voice brought death and reclaimed her voice and reclaimed her power instead. From victim, she became hero. From ashes, she rose up and became became an inspiring voice for African-American women throughout the nation because she refused to remain victim. And these are some words from a poem that she wrote, Still I Rise. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? You may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes, you may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise. You might be sitting here today, angry and hurt And the thought of finding your hero story just seems impossible because you're furious. You're too deep in that pain. Know that forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to be okay. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you you have to stop being angry about what's happened. You can be angry. You can feel hurt. You can feel pain and grief. And God grieves with you. God's heart swells with grief because of what you've had to go through. And we'd, if you're open to it, we'd like to support you in prayer as you process through that pain. There'll be someone at the, over here to the side who can pray for you. You're not alone in that. We can pray with you if you need to forgive that fourth or fifth or sixth time, or not even at all. You might be sitting here unsure of, how to begin the process of stripping away the lies that you've been told and claim your hero identity. You don't know how to begin to choose power because you've always believed that you weren't enough, that you weren't good enough, that you didn't work hard enough, that these things that you've experienced are because you deserved it, or that it's karma. You might have come to believe that you're a bad person, a bad daughter or a bad son, a bad mother or a bad wife or a bad husband or a bad father. Those are all lies. Listen to me. Oh, I've lost my place. <laughs> Just so get so caught up. Those are all lies. You are enough. God did not make a mistake in, in how God created you, in who you were made to be. God's love for you has no limits. Nothing that you say or do will ever separate you from the love of God. And you need to tell yourself this every day. Tell it to yourself in front of a mirror. Put it on your refrigerator. If you need to talk to a counselor about it, do it. Do whatever it is that you need to do to embrace the truth of who you are. And if you're open to it, we'd like to pray this over you today as well. In your first step in claiming your hero identity, in claiming who God has created you to be. And if you haven't worked it out by now, this girl, she grew up to be the late Maya Angelou, who famously said of forgiveness that it's one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself to forgive. Let's pray. I thank you, God, for your grace. I thank you that it is big enough and that we don't have to carry the burden of extending it to others because you've got it. I pray that you give us a new revelation of what it means to be embraced in your love in all our messiness. I pray that you reveal in us the truth of who we are so that we can begin to shed the lies that we were told. I pray that you reveal in us our hero story. And today I lift up all the survivors of sexual assault. I know, God, that you grieve with them today. I pray that today you show them some extra love and you encourage them this day when it might seem really hard to find hope. I pray, if anything, I pray that they see, that they are seen, that they are heard, and that we believe them. In your name we pray, amen.